Hey friend, I am so excited you're here. I'm Marianne Anderson. You might know me from This Loud House on Instagram, and I have a secret to share with you. I'm not really an expert, but I have a ton of friends who are. And each week you can join us for inspiring, fun, and practical tips on how to decorate your home, organize your space, take care of your body, chase those dreams, rock that outfit you just got at Target. And girl, we're going to help you with what the heck to make for dinner too. This is the Life Sunny Side Up Podcast. Welcome. Such a treat, you guys. Today, I had the privilege of sitting down with Sarah Turner, who is the woman behind the blog Memories on Clover Lane that I have been following, gosh, for probably seven plus years. It has been an incredible source of encouragement for me as I have gone on this motherhood journey. Sarah is a wife. She is a mother of six children and she had her first baby at 24 and her last baby at 43. She says that her calling is motherhood, that she's always felt like it was the greatest gift that she's ever been given. She said she feels best, and I agree, Sarah, with this, doing less and living at a slower pace. She started her blog, Memories on Clover Lane, as just sort of a scrapbook for her family. And it's evolved into a place where she can write her thoughts on mothering and growing through the vocation and is just learning and living in that. She is also one year out, you guys, from triple negative breast cancer, and she'd be considered a survivor but she says she just considers herself lucky as heck. And I would agree. So get ready for a super inspiring conversation with Sarah Turner. So if you love this episode, friend, I want you to do three things, okay? First, subscribe. And then that way you never miss an episode. And I'd love to hear your comments. So make sure you leave one of those too. And you can take a screenshot and you can post it on Facebook and Instagram and share with your friends. Make sure that you tag me at This Loud House and you can use the hashtag Life Sunny Side Up Podcast. You guys, such a fun conversation I know we're going to have today. I have been following Sarah Memories on Clover Lane for a very long time. And Sarah, I have shared your blog over and over because it has been like a source of life for me in motherhood. After my second miscarriage, I had read your story of miscarriages, two back to back. And I remember just sitting in my kitchen, just crying, like, Oh, it was just, I had no idea how I found your blog. You know, it was maybe interesting. I don't know, but I'm just so grateful that you're here today. So thank you for being here. This is so fun. I'm I, I love it. This is awesome. Well, the whole point of this podcast is to encourage mamas out there. And I know you will be such an encouragement. And so for our listeners who might not have found memories on Clover Lane, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I turned 50 this year. I have six children, married with six children. My oldest is 25. I lose track of ages. Really wow. My oldest is 25 and my youngest just turned seven. So I got married when I was 23, pregnant on my honeymoon, yeah. had a baby nine months later and then just kept going. And it's my favorite thing to do. It's obviously, I had my last one, I was 43. And I always say I would have babies as long as my body would let me. But yeah. I, then I got cancer. So chemo took care of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that wasn't a choice anymore. Along the way, I had several miscarriages, actually much more than you probably have read about because mm-hmm. I kind of stopped sharing after that two or three only because 
It just yeah. felt like it was a little redundant. <laughs> and, um, and I guess I, I grew up very, very, very simply. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. That was her choice. I kind of wanted that slower life. She has five children too. My mother-in-law, the same thing. So I felt like our generation, well, my generation, because you're probably much younger than me, but was kind of caught up in a culture of a rat race. I, you know, if you have enough kids, you can't do it. <laughs> you just have to step out. Right. And I think my blog was mainly just started. I had no idea what I, actually, I still have no, what I, no, no idea what I'm doing, <laughs> but I um, just started as a little scrapbook type of thing. And then it grew when I started writing about motherhood and just my kind of, I don't know, my qualms against just the really fast pace of life and what was expected of us as mothers. I feel like you have given two things. One, I've read so many posts about encouraging women. It's it's almost like we had the feminist movement, right? And everybody yeah. was like racing out there and getting these careers. And now it, yeah. it, this is the aftermath. And so I'm 38. I'm about to turn 40. But my generation, I feel like is now... So maybe we're in the same generation. I don't know. But we're you, everything is so much more on purpose. Like... Do yes. I really oh, I want that. to live this way? And I think you started it. You opened that conversation. I think it's gotten worse, to tell you the truth. I think it's gotten a lot worse. I mean, we always joked, my husband and I always joked with our first kids that wouldn't it be so funny if they started travel sports in first grade? Oh, because even in fifth grade, we were like, this is crazy. This is insane. Now we did it all. So don't like, I mean, seriously, we did it all. But now it's first grade. And I'm like, it's it can't. It's gonna, pretty soon it's going to be like two-year-old travel sports or club sports, whatever they're called in different parts of the country. But I, I think my big thing was that I saw the toll that it puts on moms. It's really us that pays the price for it. Yeah. I don't think it's anybody else. I mean, our kids for sure do, but there's got to be a give and take at some point. It's going to catch up to the family. So was this a conscious decision 25 years ago that you made? Or is this just how you grew up? Because I feel like it's a struggle. And I know personally, I have to continue to reevaluate like how things are going and purposefully slow oh, down. No, that's me all the time. Yeah. That's, yeah. I, I mean, I don't live in a, I mean, trust me, I have dreamt about it a million times to live in some bubble you know, out in the country without any internet and with all my kids locked inside the house where I homeschool them and they have no access to the outside world. I right. find it well. I'm not, I am so far from like that kind of extreme living. I, I mean, my kids have been in, and I mean, it's constant reassessment. It's constant pulling back. It's me probably exhausted or just saying like, okay, I'm sucked into this again. I mean, I definitely know what I, you know, the school stuff and all that now, I'm, I definitely have that, that kind of mindset where I know what's important and what's going to make a difference in my children's lives. Having these older kids and seeing that big span and all the little things you worried about and, oh my gosh, my kid's going to be in behind in this. If I don't do this or what if we miss this, they won't have this, these good memories. How that can suck you in so easily. And now I have that perspective where I could just say like, yeah, no, we're not doing that. I don't, you could cry about it. I don't care. <laughs> you know? You're um, going to be fine. You're going to be fine. And that's not, it's, that's not important. And I, yes, like you talked about my childhood, that's definitely, it was different back there, but my mom is an incredible person and she 
really, really is a very consistent person. So she knew her priorities right out the bat. Really, we lived we lived that bubble. We lived that slow life, and so it's against my nature. And I think it's some people can keep some people can keep up a lot more than me. I have friends who do an amazing job at that, but I couldn't because that was not what I saw growing up. So it was the strain for me, kind of, to be able to look at you know how does she do this? I, no one's doing it. Another big part of that, if I can add to, was that. Um, I was nanny for a long time. This is a huge part of it, actually. I was a nanny. So I saw firsthand the picture of different life where we can have it all, but the other side of it. I saw the mom sobbing, saying, I don't want to do this. You know, I feel this pressure to go back to work. I don't want to leave this baby. That nonstop, you know, really, really fast get up in the morning, get out the door, hard, hard work, incredible people, you know, hard work, but then coming right. home and exhausted and not make, you know, coming home at six and then coming home a little bit later. Like you kind of get used to that lifestyle, but then I, I saw the children and I saw how they mm-hmm. suffered and how it was really, it was sad. And everybody has to make their own choices that are totally comfortable for their family. So I'm not judging anything at all. I right. have been so lucky to be able to stay at home. I mean, yes, we had no money for a long time, but now that is not, you know, now, you know, my husband's built his career. So I am, I live a comfortable lifestyle. So I am not judging anybody at all. I'm just saying, just be careful of the price it pays on you and your relationships. I remember reading that you wrote that you can have it all, but not all at the same time. Yes. Yes. I, my mom is such an example of that. She was a teacher for deaf children. She's an incredible teacher. Got married, stayed at home for the five of us. So incredibly intelligent. When our youngest, I'm the second oldest, when our youngest went back to, or went probably junior high-ish, I think maybe, or even before that, and start maybe kids started trickling into college and it was a financial decision. She went back to work. I mean, went and got her master's. Wow. She travels the world. She's 80 years old. And she, it was funny because just a little story, she went to my son's soccer game in Cleveland where I grew up and we're sitting on the stands, you know, freezing for like an hour. And she gets, up and I get up at the same time. And I'm like, why am I walking? Like I'm 80 and you're walking like you're 50. Because <laughs> it is just an example of like living a life of service to others. And it, her age does not matter to her. So I saw hers, you know, she thought of a lifespan of a long time. Like this is what God has called me to do at this time. This is what God has called me to do at this time. And she didn't stress out by trying to do it all at once. And I think that as far as like career, I know you're doing a new adventure, right? Yes. I think back when I first started reading your blog and, you know, you were in the thick of it and the days and the nights all blended together, the babies were sleeping. I just think it's so beautiful, right? That this this has happened. Like it's coming full circle. How do you feel about this new adventure? Well, I will tell you, it's still so new to me. I still struggle with, the balance of things. And I really, you know, a lot of my friends are going through the same thing. Like they stayed at home and then it's like, what do I do now? What do I do now? And I always felt like I was, I felt lucky in that sometimes things were just put right at my feet and, you know, this is what you should do, or this is what you should do. And I tried, you know, that I did some subbing, I did some volunteering just just to try to how to use my gifts 
you know, in the best way and what she told me, but also what worked with my family and my priorities, because I know, I know myself. And if I'm letting things go here or not staying on top of things here, I will not be happy. And I learned that lesson in my thirties when I did do this with kids and I felt like I was doing everything wrong. I felt like I was half-assing everything. I was doing this at, you know, like when I was at home, I was at home, but I was thinking about what I should be doing, answering phone calls, writing things down. So the kids were a distraction to me. And then at work, I was going as fast as I could thinking about how I wish I was home and Mm -hmm. just was being pulled in so many directions that I thought, I don't want to live my life like this. So I'm still, I mean, I still have three kids. Well, actually four, because my daughter's home after college. So I have, she's totally independent, but I have three kids at home and there's little things like, I feel like my son right now is really struggling in school. He's a little bit more emotional. He's dealing with some anxiety, my 11 year old. And I, you have to be mentally and emotionally present for that. So the new venture, the, the work, the, um, the painting, the little place that I have, you know, that, that now I'm on Instagram and I can feel the pull again. So I really have to pace myself. I don't want to miss out here at all. I don't want to miss any of those little things that my children need me for. So it is exciting and it is just kind of an experimental thing of where I think I can use my talents the best. How do you work out the schedule? And I mean, you're pretty much in charge of how much you work, right? And I know that you are, I mean, anything that you do, you're going to throw yourself into. And so yes. how does that look practically working out your schedule? <laughs> have you found that yet? <laughs> um, no, I have not. If we did like a little like visual tour of my house, you would see that in my garage. No, but I do see at first it was like getting this little shop up and, you know, learning, learning the Instagram and stuff. My daughter's right. helping me. You know, I've neglected the blog a little bit because of that. I I know I have to figure that out and things are starting to fall in place with that. You know, I like Thursdays and Fridays are kind of my estate sale days. And, you know, I figured out at first it was like, oh, I'm going to do, you know, two pieces a week and I'm going to paint. Now it's like, oh, one a month looks good. Yeah, yeah. So no, I think of so many like the bloggers and that, that are really, really good at seeming, you know, to organize their lives with the work and the kids. I don't know if that ever will be me. It's unless I'm, I'm really slow paced at things because I just can't move at that, that quick schedule. I'm not the one to ask about organizing balance of work because usually I overwhelm myself and then I just pull back like crazy. (laughs) I think what is so relatable though, Sarah, is that you are so honest about the struggle because I mean, I struggle with that too. And I think most women do. And the idea of having this like perfectly running ship, yeah. I think is yeah. ridiculous because we're going to yeah. constantly be struggling, right? And trying to find, yes. figure it out. I mean, to be really honest with you, I, well, I'm just going to say it. I call BS on a lot of yeah. things and I'm allowed to do that because I'm 50. Okay. Right. right. But like when I see things that I, and I know like the whole Instagram, like the, the images of the gorgeous, you know, homes and but I know what goes on behind the scenes. And it's not, mm-hmm. it's not that that person's life is more perfect. It's not that she has the secret. It's not that she has this or that. You know what? Some of it's BS. <laughs> Some of it is like, the, it's not the reality. And, and I love to look at beautiful images like anybody else, but I also like 
like I will tell, I mean, just knowing like being through this kind of things with anybody who has teenagers knows that, especially a teenage girl, that they're just inundated with mm. images that yeah. are so not true. I mean, I remember sitting, that's a whole other thing, but sitting on the beach, Bethany beach with my daughter and I mean, packed wall to wall people. And we were just sitting there for five or six hours. And I remember asking her, Abby, have you seen one person, one person walk by with an Instagram body? Like you would think of these millions of people right here. Right. Someone's going to walk by. And she's like, no. And I'm like, because it doesn't make sense. (laughs) It's a lie. And really, I don't want to be that harsh about it. But as you can see with my emotion, it's like, it's kind of a lie. And it makes me mad because I know I did the same thing. I compared, I thought, what is wrong with me? Look at what this girl can handle. What is wrong with me? Why can't I handle the same thing? And I think it's a facade. And I, I haven't yet met the person, you know, I have, like I said, I have friends who handle things better, who I think, oh my gosh, look at she, she does this work. And then she goes home, but every little part of their life is different from my part of their life. Maybe they have grandparents that are there all the time. Maybe she doesn't internalize the emotion, the ups and downs of her children. Like I do, maybe she has different expectations. So I feel tenderhearted, very tenderhearted to the mothers, especially the younger generation of mothers who feel like they have to keep up with really something that is not true, that, that is not reality. Amen. I mean, I think about the photos that I'll take of my home and behind me are all the toys that I had to move to take the photo, you know? Yeah. It's so true. And I want to read this quote that this is actually how this conversation started. I said, Sarah, we have to talk about this because I put it on my stories in so many people. It resonated, but you put this on your blog. What if we just tried contentment? What if we accepted our homes as they are, linoleum, old cabinet, tiny closets, squeaky doors, hand-me-down sofas, and worked with and learned to love what we have right in front of us. I think our grandparents did this much better than we do. I absolutely believe that. Most of them lived in the same home for their lifetime and took such good care of what they had, whether it was the end thing or not. I mean, mic drop, that's it. For me, that's it right there. <laughs> I, would, I want to hear all the Sarah thoughts on that. Okay. First of all, I'd have to say, I don't think there's anything wrong. I mean, you know, I'm sitting here at this big, gorgeous island in my beautiful kitchen with my white cabinets and my stainless steel and my wood floors. So anybody could easily say, who are you to judge? Except if I showed you my past houses, <laughs> like, we always lived beneath our means and we always made it work. So there were times when we moved into our first house and it was seriously disgusting and we had no money. So we did the glue and paste linoleum square yeah. and I painted my, you know, plastic countertops. So painted the walls and went to this disgusting carpet warehouse and got the cheapest stuff to do. Just keep in mind that I'm lucky to have what I have right now. We worked hard for it. And at the same time, it's still not perfect. There's always something better and there's always something different. And we are just more than ever back in the day. I remember before internet, I would get the Pottery Barn magazine, you know, Mm -hmm. every month and maybe traditional home or one of those things, one of those magazines. And I would rip out the pages and say, wouldn't this be pretty? And then I would put them away. And now we have immediate access of bigger, better, prettier, you know, all the latest trends, which 
I think are coming and going so quickly. So we have that in our faces constantly. I am absolutely vulnerable to it also. I mean, I was just looking up white countertops because the other night, and I'm like, what am I doing? Like the tile behind, we did it cheap. It's cracking. Couldn't it be better? And then I came down in the morning and I'm like, oh God, it's fine. I have so many better things to be doing. Right? right? Who, cares? Who cares? So I, I think our parents were so content. Not all that. I mean, I know that there's definitely things were, you know, things went out of style. Sure. Avocado sure. stuff went out of stuff. But I think our pace of what we want is so much quicker and more expensive. And we pay the price for it literally with money and with, you know, how do you get money? You work, you know, like the bigger house. Like I think, gosh, my parents were content with the house they had forever. My mom wasn't like, Ooh, I would want this bigger one. Or I went to her. It was just, this is what I have and I'm going to love it. Yeah. So you know, like the kids that are getting married now, their expectations are so much higher than what mm-hmm. our expectations were in terms of size. And then they, they, you know, how many times do you see somebody saying, oh, well, this house, this is what I want. I love this. But then they have that baby and now they're mm-hmm. locked. They want to stay home and they're locked into this, which I am telling you, sell the darn house and with your baby, like do it. Yeah. Who can you find the cute little Cape Cod on a little street and make it like this is your life and this is your child. These are your relationships. Just turn your back on that and and live for the relationships and the love, not for the countertops and the floors. Hey guys, so if you never want to miss a podcast or any of the scoop that's going on around here, go to www.thisloudhouse.com and subscribe to our newsletter. You get all the fun freebies that I send out and you can join our amazing community. Again, it's www.thisloudhouse.com and subscribe. I love social media because it's brought, like I found you through social media, but it's just this pull and tug. And I mean, we hear so much, oh, we got to teach kids to appreciate what they have. Nobody appreciates anything anymore, but gosh, it starts with us. It starts with us. They're mirroring what they see. I mean, don't even get me started on that. <laughs> I think our kids have way too much stuff and they do not need it. And I am, I'm guilty of it too. I mean, I went through the house yesterday and loaded up the car again with Goodwill. You know, it's, there's just, and I do see that trend turning. I do see that turning so yeah. much better with the conscious like buying and the Christmas and the, you know, one thing to wear, one thing to read, one thing to play with. Like, it's so smart. Start them young. Don't do what I did and had to pull back. It's, you know, and then you wonder why these kids growing up have more anxiety or have more, have these high expectations or, you know, I, I tease my daughter all the time because for my birthday gifts, my mom put like five little birthday gifts on the stairs. We would come down and get them. We got to pick out the frosting on our cake. Done. That was yeah. it. She wasn't stressed out. Like maybe she bought like a cute tablecloth and a crown. I think now it's like they have, I make fun of her. I'm like these birthday weeks they're called birthday weeks. I'm like, you are not the queen of England. (laughs) I love you. And I love all your friends, but they are not any more special than anyone else on the earth. And you were born in, you know, one day in one second, probably. So like, let's, it's not birthday week, but of course, because if they grew up having these huge bashes, by the right. time they get to 20, they're crying because no one's throwing them a birthday week. Right? <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> birthday month. I mean, come on. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. It really is crazy. Now, how do you handle social media with your kids? Oh gosh. Well, I also have that perspective of, I call them like hybrid kids, which are hybrid parents really, because I'm at that generation where the kids didn't, we learned as we went, it was thrown in our faces, right? pretty much my oldest Isaac. So I would say, because he's 25. So like what? 15? Yeah, it wasn't. I can say I still had a couple parents in eighth grade who were holding out on the cell phones. And back then it was, you know, the flip phones. So there wasn't right now at all. You know, I think the struggle with my oldest back then was like the gaming systems and the games on the computer. And then as we went down, probably Abby, a couple of years later, it was Pinterest was a big thing. I really kept my kids off of smartphones. My older three didn't have the smartphones until they graduated from high school and could pay for them themselves. They got them for, for a birthday and then they, they still paid us all the money that they for that, you know? Yeah. And then um, now my next in line, my fourth, Andrew, he got one when he graduated from eighth grade. God, it's a struggle. I'm telling you, I don't have answers because we all, everyone I hate, to, everyone I talk to, they're like, what am I going to do? I don't, I hate this. I, I, I will still say that I felt like I, I lost my child. Mm-hmm. I felt like I lost my child when I gave them a phone or, you know, there was the, it, a lot of the time, but we didn't have choices. The iPads at school have right. everything too. Now there's a lot more knowledge about parental, like how you can block things and timers and but it's exhausting for a parent too. Like I remember just thinking, I have a baby. I can't monitor this constantly. But right. now they have really cool things. Like we got the Disney circle. I don't really use that much anymore because the older kids are, you know, independent. But we don't have gaming systems in our house. I've done that too. Threw them up in the attic, probably so hard they broke. Or yeah. somebody, honestly, like our we was broken because a little toddler took little pieces of paper and shoved them in. And I kind of was like, awesome. You did like the happy dance. You're like, thank the Lord. <laughs> I'm like, I well, I guess you. it doesn't work anymore. Darn it. I don't have to yell that into the basement. Like, your time's up. No, it's not. You know, that constant fight. The game, like my kids aren't really, Patrick will watch YouTube videos, but he has nothing. He's in fifth grade. So I, I just talk to him. I just talk to him. And I don't win the battle there all the time. I don't. I, and I don't think that any of us, our kids are growing up in a different world and really there's nothing we, there's nothing we can do about it in terms of just monitoring it and talking and fighting the fight. Cause really that's what it is. It's, we're all struggling and there's no, there's no answers to that. There's no easy answers. You know, at the same time, do, am I strict? Yes, I am. I am strict with it. I hear too much from other, my kids will come home or, you know, and you wonder like, God, how did that kid hear that? How does he know that? How, what, you know, and I'm not judging because they they have access to yeah. things. Yeah. But gosh, we, we grew up so sheltered and I think that was good. I think it was good. I think our parents really, really, really thought that through. They didn't want us to see things. They didn't want us to even hear their conversations about things that it doesn't have to be the extreme bubble thing, but definitely they don't need to know the crap that they, they know when they're in fifth grade. <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't you think that, I mean, I feel like anxiety in children oh, is yeah. at an yeah. all time high. I was talking with my mom the other day, you know, and we, we kind of came up with this conclusion that the, the, the best defense we have is the relationship, the yes. one-on-one relationship with that child, you know? 
which is messy and takes time, right? Oh, and it takes, and it takes time and it's messy and it's not fun. It is not fun. It is hard, hard work. And you know, it's even today I, I was taking my kids to school and Patrick just was having a little bit of an attitude, I, you know, it's kind of a feel sorry for me, whatever about right, right. me paying too much attention to something else to Janie, or I didn't do, who knows what it was. It was probably eating candy before bed because there was like a trunk or treat, but, yeah. who knows? but I just thought, gosh, I could be in a bad mood today because I'm worried about him or I could just let him own some of that. And then mm-hmm. think about what can I, what, like we can have a conversation li- later tonight. Now in my pre-cancer life, I would have internalized that all. I would have thought, oh my gosh, something's terribly wrong. He's going to grow up and he's going to be a miserable adult. And he's right? going to, you know, he's going to have this and this and this and whatever. And now I just think he's just moody and what, what can we do about it? And, and I just want to say something really quick about the technology too. And my mom sees this a lot also because she counsels adults and teachers. There is nothing wrong with ripping that phone out of their hands and saying it's gone for the weekend. There is nothing wrong with saying, you know what? We gave you this phone. I know a mom who I love who took her son's phone away the entire summer. She's like, it was awesome. I had my kid back. Sure, he was in withdrawal. Yeah. He was really pissed for a couple of weeks. But you know what? He he and my son started hanging out. Finally, Andrew had somebody who wasn't on his phone all the time. They rode their bikes around town. There's nothing. I'm giving you permission <laughs> to say, nope the computer's gone. Nope. The phone is gone. No, we're also, we're redoing all the rules and your phone's never going upstairs. And you know what? Here's it. Like you are allowed to do that as a parent. And I really do think anxiety. I know in me, I know all of us are suffering some part of that because it is absolutely 100% related to phone usage, I think. And I, I really think that they're going to start finding that more and more if it's not all squashed. They're going to start finding that more and more that there is a direct correlation, I think they already have, between you know, screen time and anxiety. Yeah. 100%. 100%. I mean, I have to check myself and my whole job is on social media. So I'm like, I gotta, I gotta get the heck off of here. How did cancer change you as a mom? Well, it was really hard. I think every mom's biggest fear is leaving their children. Now my husband would be fine taking care of my children. I have tons of family. I have aunts and my kids have aunts and uncles and cousins who adore my children. But there's something to be said about the way we do things. And I mean, honestly, frankly, I love life. I love, I could almost cry about it. I love my life. I love it. I love walk outside. It it gives you this deep, deep appreciation for all. It really does. For I I did before too. I was somebody who was so grateful. And I think that we had to do a lot with all of the pregnancy losses I experienced with just knowing what was important, just this baby love and Mm. my kids and my family. I did have that before. I don't think I was someone who ever lived that shallow life of, you know, I don't know. I just, I still, I don't care about some of the things that other people care about because probably of cancer even, even more, even, you know, yeah. it, it was hard because I thought, why me? Like you already gave me the trials of all these miscarriages I had. Why me? But then why not me? And you don't get to pick your trials in life. If I know anything over the past, you know, a couple of years of really, really difficult trials is 
you don't get to choose them. And there's somebody out there right now who has an adult child in a wheelchair who can't breathe on their own and who they are caring for every day. And she didn't choose that trial. Mm -hmm. And there's somebody else who has, who has to take chemo for the rest of their lives and they didn't choose that child. And there's someone who was holding their baby while that baby is passing away and they didn't choose that trial. We all will have them. All we can do is transform from them. And God, am I so stinking lucky. Mm. I look at some of the girls that I know who have triple negative breast cancer and they are not lucky. I lost an amazing friend, the, the woman who changed my head and who has two children. And she lost her life to cancer and we walked through chemo together. And I miss her every day. And it, you know, like she was the light of everyone's life. She was amazing. Her name's Kate Kelly. And um Look at that name alone, right? Kate Kelly. Yeah. Just, just an amazing person. And she was, here she is being my strength and helping me through terrible things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's just ending her chemo and it came back. She would do anything to be here. She would trade any of my other trials in life to be here. And I, I just have to believe that. Like, it, it makes you just be grateful. Every day you wake up, be grateful that you're not sick. And if you're sick, great, be grateful that you're alive. And then think, gosh, what does God want me to do with this gift? What does God want me to do with this trial that you're experiencing, whatever trial it is, whether it's your children, whether it's your marriage, whether it's cancer, whether it's your parents, whether it's a relationship, the trial is there for you to be able to use your example and your hardships to help other people. If not, you know, what else is there to live for? Mm. (laughs) So, sorry. Oh, Sarah. Well, I'm telling you, and I read in, this is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And I read, I thought it was so powerful. You said, I'm not a survivor. I'm just lucky. And the idea that, yeah, yeah, the only people that are survivors are the ones that don't have cancer anymore is crazy because also are survivors, right? I mean, and have the strength. And I just loved when you said that. Because it's only really been a year, which no, a year and a half since I finished my last round of chemo. That seems unbelievable because it seems like a different life to me. So I still obviously have trouble talking about it. And I still, um, I know I love that people join that, like the pink ribbon stuff and all that. Sure, like that, sure. that's just not right now. I'm still there's there's a shred of anger still left <laughs> at it, and I think I'm not a big joiner anyways. And I like that movement and everything, but I also have I do have an issue with. You know, people say you're so strong. You were so strong. You're such a survivor. Kate Kelly was strong too. She was so much stronger than me. Mm. And, you know, the 85-year-old coming in for chemo who maybe doesn't have the little children at home is just actually stronger than me. Like, I I mean, there's mornings I would sit exactly where I'm sitting and put my head down and ball my head head off and think, I don't want to, you know, the dead of winter gray. I don't want to do this. But your Mm. feet get up and walk out the door. So... You do it because you have to do it. That doesn't make me any more stronger than anybody else. Yeah. And nor does yeah. it make me any more stronger than the person who says, I'm not doing this anymore. They're actually probably stronger in some ways because they know what they want. It's right. everybody's choice, you know? So right. I don't know. Yeah. It does make you realize that actually the most empowered I've ever felt in my life was having um, my babies. When they, when I gave birth to those babies, those were, that's like the, the, I, you know, you feel like, yeah, you feel like that, that mama bear, 
Like yes. anybody touches this child, I will take your head off. Like, yes. <laughs> like no, that's not like you just like, don't, don't even come here with washing your hands. Like, no, I so true. So true. You, you do feel so strong. And, and I think what cancer does is it makes you so incredibly weak. I always say the lower you go in life, you know, you know this with the miscarriages and stuff, yeah. the lower you go, the, the more you bounce up, the higher you get. So I knew, I know a new level of love. I know a new level of joy and I have a new level of gratitude and appreciation. And I didn't think I needed all those things, but what a gift. What a gift, you know? What a gift. Oh, Sarah, your story is such a gift. Let's end with this. If you could leave one message with mothers, yes. what do you think that would be? Oh my gosh, one. Oh gosh, just love them. Just love them. Love them for even, like love them through their trials. Get down on your hands and knees. Hug them. Stop worrying. If they're acting really weird, they're probably not going to be weird. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, the older kids are harder. Stay in touch, but just be present. And if you're not present, you're going to miss out and you cannot rewind your children's childhoods. Mm. You can have a career later. You can clean the floors later. You can have the perfect house later, but you cannot make that child that chubby little cute toddler again. So put away the phone, put away the competition, cancel the travel stuff. If it's too much for you, take care of yourself so you can be there for your children. I love it. Thank you, Sarah, so much. (laughs) You're welcome. Hey y'all. So if you would like to join our community on Facebook, we have a special group just for you. You can continue the conversation off the podcast online simply join the Life Sunny Side Up podcast group. Just search in your groups. It'll come up and I will be so excited for you to be a part of this amazing community. 